Welcome to the Rebel Babe Cave, where we chat with amazing women within the worlds of sports, fitness, wellness, and business who aren't afraid to keep it real. Every week, we talk careers, relationships, and most importantly, the practice of self-care. Uncensored and unapologetic, you'll walk away from every episode with real-life takeaways and advice. No BS or fluff. I'm your host, Crystal Rose, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey, everyone. It's episode two of the Rebel Babe Cave. Welcome. This week, I have been thinking a lot about jealousy. I talk a lot about how comparison is a thief of joy, and I really believe it. I think it's super easy, especially with social media, to get sucked into what others are doing and just endlessly compare yourself to them, whether it's our bodies, our businesses, or even just likes on Instagram. Seriously, if that's you, don't be ashamed. It really happens to the best of us, aka it happens to me all the time. (laughs) So recently, I've been working on a lot of projects and that, of course, like it just takes a long time to come to fruition and I'm just seeing people kill it left and right. And I've been feeling so jealous of them. At first, it was comparing metrics or whatever. And then I came across this Gary Vee podcast episode that talked a lot about like, just do your thing and create and be you and don't worry about the likes or the metrics. Resist the urge to post the booty pic or whatever, because you just know it's going to get likes and instead do it as you and what you're called to create. And this really hit home and resonated with me. It was like exactly what I needed to hear at the moment, but the feeling didn't completely go away. And instead the jealousy started to rise up again over metrics, over accomplishments. And that's when I had to check myself. So like these people I'm jealous of, they're doing the work. They're consistent with their social media. So yeah, they're going to get more likes and stuff than me. They've been working on their book every day. So yeah, they're publishing it. These are things that I'm not doing, but I wish I was, or they're on my list to do. And I really just had to tell myself that, you know, remind myself that I've had many other priorities on my plate and these things I'm jealous of, like I can accomplish them at some point. It's on my list, but just further down my calendar. I think sometimes we need to have these sort of honest reality check kind of conversations with ourselves, you know, find out why we're having the negative feelings towards others and their accomplishments rather than cheering for someone. It doesn't take anything away from us to cheer for someone else. But of course, if they are where you want to be, jealousy is normal. You know, like, I don't want to feel this way. I want to be excited. So I think some real good self-awareness can take care of that. And sometimes, you know, if you can't check yourself, you might need to unfollow that person that's making you feel jealous, or maybe you need to rearrange your priorities Me personally, I'm where I need to be. And I just had to accept that. Like, Crystal, you are exactly where you need to be. You will get to those things. They're going to happen for you. Just stop being jealous and focus on getting done what you need to get done. And everything will be good. So that's my self-love piece for this week. (laughs) So our guest this week, oh my gosh, you guys, I just love her so much. I met Violet after attending a couple of Fem City events locally, and she was a speaker at the second one, which is awesome because she lives in Miami. So she came up to speak. I had to be there. I wanted to meet her. And once I heard her speak and her vision, I was just like, yes, and 100% behind her. So later that year, it was 2015, 
in the fall and Femme City held a small retreat in Italy. And I was able to get some one-on-one time with Violet. And she really helped me to just like figure out what I needed to do as far as leaving my last businesses behind so that I could laser focus in on my current business, my now current business, Rebellia. This is when I was figuring out what I wanted to do and I hadn't made that leap yet. So she was probably the first woman since I had started a business that was just willing to give me guidance and direction and it really changed things for me. So this episode is so good. Like, I hope you are taking notes. There are just so many tidbits in here and I'm always learning things from Violet. So having her here is just awesome. And I know you guys are going to love her. Violet de Ayala is a Cuban-American serial and social entrepreneur, founder of Femme City and virtual mentor to over 20,000 women. Violet has been quoted in Success, Entrepreneur, CNBC, Yahoo Small Business, Business Insider News as a small business expert, and in Marie Claire. Violet, welcome to the Rebel Babe Cave. (laughs) Thank you, Crystal. I'm so excited and honored to be here. I'm so pumped you had the time to do it. So the first thing I want to do is kind of like our little initiation. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it on. And it's called Goals, Gratitude, and Badassery. So I want you to tell me one goal that you're looking at right now, one thing you're grateful for, and then one thing that you're super proud of yourself for or that you just think that you've done that's like badass. Okay, so the fir- I may actually forget because I have very poor memory. So <laughs> the first one I remember, my current goal is to go to the gym five times a week. I was doing it the last two weeks and then I pulled a calf muscle a couple of days ago. I actually heard it snap. So I was like, no. oh God, I was like, please. <laughs> but it was just a cat. I went to the doctor. I'm, I have to rest for two weeks, which kills me. I'm, like, I'm doing strength training today, but without using my calf muscle, <laughs> which is like kind of challenging. So that's one. I actually, I'm almost in the routine again. The summers were really tough with all the kids home and trying to balance work and fitness. And then the second one was what am I grateful for? I can't limit that to just one. I think if I have to say just one, I'm going to say I'm really grateful that I honed in on the capacity that I have to design the life I want. And that's one thing because from that stems all the aspects of being grateful. And the third one, let me see if I remember. Oh, something I was proud of. (laughs) You know, I was really proud. You mentioned that I was quoted in Mary Claire. And I was actually really proud that I shared a story that a lot of people didn't know about me. Um, You did because you and I are friends, but many people did not know. And so the Mary Claire piece that I was quoted in was all about getting back with your ex. I'm really proud that I shared the story from beginning to end. And it inspired a lot of people also to... I don't know, to have hope and kind of look at love in a different way. Love doesn't always have to be the way that the movie screens kind of show it to be, but it can have its own flair and it can have a comeback also. Anyway, so that's what I'm proud of today. I read that article and I loved it. And that's actually one of the questions I have for you. (laughs) Because I think, you know, as women, we, especially in relationships, and it could be a good relationship that just didn't work out, or it could be something super toxic. But regardless, I think a lot of us, it's easy for us to run back, whether it be for safety, you know, or comfort. And you, with your ex-husband's soon-to-be husband again. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. You know, like, what do you think is kind of the difference? Like, if you had to kind of 
chip it down to one major thing? Like, what is the difference between going back, I guess, for comfort or what made it different? You know, like what made it not going back to a bad relationship, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we were together for 20 years and at 20 years, we decided to divorce. And during the separation process, he would say things like, oh, you know what I will. And, and he was never, he never cheated on me. We didn't have any kind of horrible violence or any kind of thing like that. It was really just that I didn't feel like it was healthy anymore. I didn't feel like I was a part of his life. Like I felt like there was like a substance that was missing mm-hmm. and I just knew that there was something better for him and for myself also. And I didn't want the girls. I mean, my son also, I didn't want them to see this as a healthy relationship. And so that was pretty much my intention. And so throughout the time that we were separated and divorced, he would constantly say, you know, I've changed or now I'm going to prioritize our relationship. It wasn't until really one day when he picked me up at the airport, I had been in Europe for, I don't know, like six weeks or something like that. And he picked me up at the airport instead of my son. And he said, I think, you know, we should talk. And I said, okay, we had maintained a great friendship. So we were still best friends in many ways. And so I thought it was like, I don't know, he just had something to chat about when we work or friends or whatever. And when we went out to the fancy place called Whole Foods <laughs> in downtown Miami, because everyone's like, where was it? You know, I'm like, ooh, is that Whole Foods? Um, so fancy. And we sat there and he really went through the last 20 years. At that point, it was like 22 years that we had been together and kind of really had a different perspective. And my gut told me at that time that things would be different and things would have changed. And so I don't think we went back to each other because it was easy or comfortable because it actually wasn't. It's someone who I grew up with and we grew up together. And so they know you better than anybody else. And so having to fix all that with someone like that is really tough. Yeah. And so anyway, we dated and, and little, I did baby steps to make sure that this was going to be healthy for both of us. You know, I always wanted what was best for him. I actually didn't think I was best for him either. So it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I can do better. It was right. more like, I think you can do better too. Like, I don't know if this is like a really healthy thing for both of us. So that's the perspective that I had, but it definitely, there were levels of confirmation when we reconnected and they just like layered on top of layers. And then eventually it just said, we said, you know what, this may work. Like this may be the second time around. Like we were older too. You know, we started dating when we were, I mean, I celebrated my 21st birthday with him. Like we grew up together. I mean, we did, but it was love at first sight too. So it was kind of like, that's another side of the love story as well of the evolution of us, I guess. I think it says a lot though, that like, it just sounded healthy all around. Like you guys realized it wasn't healthy right? and healthfully moved it into an ending, which I think a lot of people struggle with ending a relationship without the drama. Yeah. You know, like you have to have the cheating or a reason, or I need to catch him doing this otherwise. And it's like, why can't it just be that you're not happy? Right. You're both not happy and you can't figure out how to make it work. Right. And sometimes just having that break. I mean, that's like with everything, right? Like, let's say you are, you know, doing yoga every day and, you know, you just realize like, maybe this isn't the best for my needs or whatever. Like you can, it's everything in life. You can actually have the perspective of saying, I don't think this is the right fit for me. And healthily come to that term. I don't like drama at all. I'm not a fan of it you know me, if someone starts talking bad about someone else, I literally will just walk away. Like I don't like drama. I grew up with a very violent upbringing with a drug addict mom. So for me, drama, like it tunes me out. Like I literally shut down. So we never had that. I think we got into like maybe one fight 
And it wasn't even over the divorce. And that was it. I mean, we were hurt, but we were always very clear in our communication. And I think it really helped us to start again, choose each other again. So amazing. I'm definitely going to have to link that so people can read it because I was so pumped too when I read it because I was like, I know all about this. I know because I know, we were in Tuscany when we had just gotten back together. We had just started like sharing it with people. So you were literally yeah. one of the first ones to know about it. When you were like, oh, I'm like dating my ex-husband. I was like, what? <laughs> I know, exactly. After three kids. Yeah. <laughs> we live together still. So we live together during the time. So yeah. Anyway, it's all, it's all beautiful. The whole process. Even yeah, well, we just, the darkness. Um, Dove right into the heavy stuff too. (laughs) Good segue. So we were just talking about this before we started recording, how you are basically, you started out in the fitness world. And I don't think a lot of people in the business world realize it because you're such a, you're like an entrepreneur's entrepreneur. You are like your bio says, you're a mentor to thousands of women You're all about helping women figure out how to be their best selves in their business. And you started in fitness. I did. Yeah, I was 22. Steve and I had moved to North Carolina and we had just had our little baby, Christoph, who's now 25. And I did not want to put him in full-time daycare. I was about to buy a gym in Miami and then we moved and I thought, this is not a good idea to buy a gym in Miami. So let me just start something on my own. So I got my personal training certification. I started doing one-on-one trainings. I started developing that. And then I got my Pilates certification and ended up opening up a Pilates studio. And then I had a couple of satellite locations and I did that for about 10, 12 years, a combination of both. I love fitness. I mean, I still take Pilates uh, pretty much every week. I still think about like, should I be teaching? Like even when the last Pilates certification came through, the Equinox team here emailed me and said, Hey, do you want to do the Pilates certification now? It's coming back around. And I was like, why did we spend $10,000 to get certified on the reformer to get certified again? But I love it. It's such a huge part of what I believe is good for all humans. And yeah, I miss it actually. But you still like practice. Oh yeah. I actually think I have an addiction to fitness or going to the gym. Like my husband would call me a gym rat. Like most of the time, <laughs> like when we first started dating, I belonged to every gym in Miami. I worked two full-time jobs, went to school full-time in college and literally belonged to every gym. Cause you never know, <laughs> you never know where you're going to be. And like, I have my trunk with all these filled of like extra equipment and you know, <laughs> different sneakers, depending on what I was wearing. So yeah, I'm actually, I'm excited. I'll be 50 years old soon. Can't believe it. I'm telling you, it's the fitness. It definitely. And it, I think, I'm happy also because I work out. Right. You're like, you're like, how are you always so happy? I'm like, because I'm addicted to going to the gym every day. It is serious how much better it can just make you feel. I myself have, I mean, obviously I love fitness, but there are days where I'm just so anxious. And yeah. when I just be like, put down your work and go in the gym and I always come out just feeling so much better. And I have to like remind myself when I'm anxious and I'm like, no, you don't have time for the gym. You don't have time. You have to work. I'm like, but you feel so much better. <laughs> like you work yeah. better. You're a better human. You're better yeah. to everyone who's around you. So it's, I put it in as a meeting. So it literally is like, I'm a meet. I don't tell people I'm like, I'm going to have a meeting. I can't join. I can't be at that call or whatever it is. So the summers are hard, like I said, because I've got so many other humans around and trying to cart everybody, every place. So it, that's always challenging. But yeah, now that the season's back, I'm excited. I like that you put it on your calendar. Yeah, I have that's to. That's a good tip. Because I hear a lot from women business owners, you know, their business taking off or they just don't have time for the gym. 
and they forget that that part of themselves or that it can help them become better at just being themselves. Oh, yeah. Putting it on your calendar is huge. It's a huge step. Yeah. You do that no matter what. I do it all the time. Yeah, I have it in my calendar. I even put it in my... We have a New Yorker calendar in the kitchen and I even sketch it in there like when I'm going to be gone so the kids know where I am because it's the only time I don't have my phone on. I put the phone in the locker. You cannot reach me. I mean, I have my watch, but it doesn't connect that far. But yeah, you know what? At 6 a.m., we're up. My youngest is at the bus stop at 625 and there are people running. And I'm like, these people are super committed. It's the same people. <laughs> I was like, it's Miami. It's only 150 degrees at 625 yeah. in the morning. So like these people are, and you know, they work because if not, why would they be you know, running at 625 in the morning? They'd be running at night. But mm-hmm. yeah. So if those people, I, I think about Oprah, I don't know if you remember like those clips of her when she started getting in shape, she was like running at five in the morning and like during the rain and like Oprah can work out. I can work out. <laughs> I could definitely put in an hour. How do you not dedicate an hour to yourself? That's right. so ridiculous. An hour. What? Right. So what time of day do you work out normally? So during the summer, I was doing the 9 a.m. class. But now that my daughter starts rowing again, she starts rowing next week. What I've been doing is I will take her to rowing class and then I'll hit the Equinox in that location. And I work out from five o'clock. I do a 530 class and then I shower and then I pick her up from rowing at seven. So yeah. it just fits right into my schedule. But yeah, I'm excited. And she rows five days a week. So it's super easy for me to so squeeze it in. It's in there. It's your lifestyle. Yeah. I, where am I going to go for <laughs> two hours? I, mean, I drop her off. I'm like, what am I going to do from four to six? I'll just go to the gym. And I bring my laptop. So I'm sometimes in the classroom before class starts. I open up my laptop. I connect. I work while I'm in there. And then I shower because we're renovating this house. We don't have a shower yet. So <laughs> I take a shower there as well. So my whole life is like around that club. I love it. Yeah, my whole life is around my husband's calendar. It's so, it like, annoys me because I just feel like it's so anti-independent woman. But at the same time, it's like, well, no, yeah. I have to. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a balance. <laughs> yeah, it's totally a balance. Whatever. It's, you know, the person that can adjust, adjusts. Yeah. So that's, that's partnership. So balance, We, you and I have had an entire other podcast about balance. But this is still a question. I get this question all the time, you know, like, how do you balance when you have kids and a job or a career or, you know, a business and work out and all this stuff. And I feel like I always have the same answer, but I would love to hear just like your take on it. Sure. Actually, at that little formula that I created, because I love formulas. <laughs> I, have, I always have to have a process with everything. So I look at my world in three different circles. I have my wealth circle, my health circle, and my happiness circle. And every activity that I do fits into one of those circles. And when you feel anxiety, when you feel like the world is like crumbling by, when you feel like you don't have balance, you generally have those sensations, right? You feel anxious, you feel stressed, you're tired, something's bothering you, maybe you get sick. So usually there's one of those circles is out of whack. So the goal is to have all of those three circles completely in alignment. So they overlap each other. So you can have someone who, for instance, is a bazillionaire, right? So his wealth circle is like completely intact. And maybe their happiness circle is intact also. They go out every night for happy hour with their friends, but their health maybe is out of alignment. They haven't been to the gym in a long time. They smoke, they overdrink. So that would be out of alignment. So he would have to work on that circle in order to create balance. Because ideally balance should be all three of those. You don't want to be like super, super healthy and fit. And yeah. then always going out with your friends or your family or your kids or whatever. And then you're in debt, right? Because you can't pay your bills. So that stress gets you. So you're off balance. So the idea is yeah. to have those three circles always connected 
so that it's a flow that evens out. But I think it's a good formula because I remember when I was trying to find balance, I mean, I was diagnosed pre-diabetic. I had high blood pressure. I was a mess, like just a mess. And I couldn't find a book that kind of explained like how to find balance. Like, oh, just dedicate time to yourself. I'm like, what is that? What? I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. So I came up with this formula because I'm like, I need like a, I need a map and I need to like, see exactly how to create it. And that's what I figured out is that I was stressed or out of balance when one of those. So if I'm stressed right now, it's generally like my happiness bubble, my circle of happiness is not really being attended to. So it means I may have to take a break, go to the gym. That brings me happiness. Hanging out with my kids, that brings me happiness. You know, going to a dinner with my girlfriends, that brings me happiness. But that's generally my circle that's out of whack. That's the one that I need help on. But each person's different. But that's a formula that everyone can apply to their life and okay. kind of diagnose themselves. Totally. I think well, especially women tend to like neglect the the happiness bubble yep. or they'll equate like, well, if I get really fit, then I'll be happy. Right. Or, you know, if I make a lot of money, then I'll be happy. And it's like, well, there has to be other things that bring you joy and you have to do them now. It can't be a when or if I it has to be now. Now, and it can be something small. I mean, for you and for me, like fitness is in my happiness bubble, right? So like I, I really get happy. I see all my friends there at the gym, but every person's different. And I think when you look at it, you have to give it as much attention as you do to your wealth. All of those three aspects have to be equally in unison together. Because if you have one out of alignment, one out of whack, you're a mess and you don't know why. You're like, I don't know why I'm always under stress. I don't know why I'm freaking out. I don't know why, you know look at your circles. They're, right. they're going to tell you like, Oh, you haven't done anything with your friends in a couple of weeks. You haven't gone to the gym in a couple of weeks or you know what? You went crazy on your credit cards and that's why, you know, kind of hone it in again. So they're not going to be perfect because there's always going to be one wonkering on the edge, but right. you can just kind of stay connected to them and kind of stay connected to your body and what it's telling you. You will always find a way out. I love that. I never heard of the little, the three circles. I, I like made it up. <laughs> I totally created it. You have worksheets on that or is that I just do, like a actually, no, I actually, I, I wrote a book and it's in my book because I've like, I, I've spoken about it before for like yeah. the last couple of years. I give it as homework because everyone asks me like, does it matter what class I teach? But at the end, they're always like, how do you find balance? Yeah. And there are so many books that are going to tell you, you can't find balance. It's not possible, but mm-hmm. it totally is. And it feels really good to be in balance. Like yeah. the world feels lighter when you have everything thought of. Yeah. And I think like we have different seasons of life where you just have to kind of put it in perspective, you know, like currently I'm going through a building season. My head is down. I'm grind, grind, grind. Yes. I'm tired. Yes. I would like to be social, but I can't right now. And so perspective and then finding the joy besides those things, you know, that aren't going to take me away from what's important. And the fitness is always there. Cause if I, you know, yeah, yeah. you have the weeks where, okay, maybe I only worked out twice last week. Who cares? Let's move on. Right. Not right. in the world. That's what I'm saying. Like they're never going to be perfect because you have to, I mean, sometimes you have deadlines or projects and you have to do that. Or sometimes you have whatever, maybe you're getting married and you want to look your best. And so that your focus is not on business anymore. Now it's on this, or maybe you're buying a house. So now your focus is more on the wealth. So the idea is that they're all kind of in your thought, in your intention, but you recognize, and I love that you said that, like you recognize right now, I'm going to put more in that circle of my wealth. Like that's where it's just going to be. And I recognize that and I'm going to be good. I'm going to take a two week 
trip to Italy <laughs> and, you know, to make up for it. So you see, so then you can at least plan and have intention with it. I think what the problem comes is that when people are in that zone that you're in yeah. for like four years right? <laughs> and then they wake up and they're like, okay, I've got this thriving business, but I'm miserable. Like, yeah. you know, I haven't, I don't even know how to talk to humans anymore because I don't even know what to talk about. So I think that's where the problem catches up. But I think if you stay connected with them and you recognize like you did, there's beauty in that. Is just saying, you know what, I understand that I'm not going to be able to serve that circle, but yeah. I will soon. I think we're more likely to like throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, kind of like, I've been doing this for four years and I'm miserable. Ah, I need to put my job and like start over, go do this. And it's like, maybe you just need to rein it in. Right. Maybe you just need to do it at the spa. Delegate, you know. Right, or delegate. Now it's time to delegate and go to the next step rather than let's just toss it because I'm miserable. (laughs) Right, exactly. But I think we get to that point. I think humans get to that point because they've been living in that shell for so long and that's not healthy. You know, it's healthy to do for a couple months, but you have to kind of look at all aspects of your life. It's not you snap, but you're saying like people snap. Ooh, yep. <laughs> They're like, I'm moving to Bali. That's it. You know, throwing everything away. <laughs> I've actually had two friends that done that. I have two girlfriends of mine, both business owners. Like one decided she sold everything she had, everything down to the mattress, the headboard, everything into the garage sale and picked up and left and moved to Bali with her kids. And then another one, she travels back and forth, but she's pretty much in Bali. I would say full time. <sighs> so, so that's what I think when you're like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the only way. <laughs> this is the only way Bali is calling by name. <laughs> oh man, someday I'll move to Italy. <laughs> yeah, I see it. I see it in your future. I So I've heard you speak. And one of the things that has stuck with me was your process of changing the negative stories in your head and by hiring an attorney. Yes. So I would love for you to explain that because I just think it is so brilliant And I was so in awe. Like, I mean, it's so great when you know someone and then you hear them speak or you talk to them and then they just come out with something that you've never even heard before. (laughs) It was like what that did for me. I was just like, well, that's so cool. I love that idea. So if you could explain that. that Sure. So that concept comes from like the self-love conversation that trends all the time nowadays. And again, I was like, what is self-love? What I've never heard that before. And so I had to delve into that and try to figure that out. Because honestly, I thought self-love was like narcissistic. I had a a mother who was narcissistic. So I thought that must be self-love. Like Mm -hmm. you just love yourself so much that you think you're better than everybody. But self-love was something deeper. And so I had to kind of figure out and discover what that was. And what I found was when we use the words in our minds to tell stories from our past, from the perspective of an attorney that we have hired to actually win the case. Let's say someone's filing a case against your character, filing a case against the lack of success that will be in your future. Whatever stories that you're telling yourself, right? I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I'm such a loser. I don't have what she has. Whatever those stories are that limit us. When you change the conversation and you speak to yourself as if you were a paid attorney on your behalf, the words and the stories change. And so sometimes what happens with fear or these negative conversations that humans have is that it's triggered by some sort of word or person or situation. All of a sudden that thought 
comes into your mind because of a trigger. And then your brain connects that fear, that trigger, it plays back that story that you hold. So let's just say, for instance, I'm never going to be thin, right? Let's just say that one. I'm never going to be thin. I'm never going to be thin. I'm never going to be thin. So you're saying that in your mind over and over again. You're walking and one day someone says to you, wow, you look like you've put on some weight, right? And all of a sudden it triggers a childhood thought, you're never going to be thin. And then your mind will say, of course, you're never going to be thin because you were chubby as a child because you have asthma because you're just never going to be thin because, you know, and so it goes on and on. It kind of creates a spiral. And so if you can hire that attorney from the beginning in your self negative conversation, it changes it so that the conversation would then be, Oh, you look like you've put on some weight. The conversation would be, Oh yeah, because it's, you know, that time of the month or because yeah, it was just Thanksgiving and I enjoyed myself and I'm back on track. So you nip that conversation in the butt. But I think that when we talk about self-love, people have a really hard time of creating those words, but you have to love yourself as an attorney that you've paid that will defend you no matter what, or as a best friend, like would your best friend say those words to you? Right. If you ever heard those words out loud, you would be appalled. You would never allow your daughter or your sister or your mom or your aunt or your friend to be spoken to in that manner. Why do we do that to ourselves? And it was so sad that I have to use that example I had to use it for myself personally because I was like, oh, I should have that conversation. I should always be able to defend my own self-negative talk. I should always be able to stop that conversation. So no, 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 that is not true. I will tell you why it's not true. Because Violet, you know, whatever, she does this, she does that. And so you have to kind of change the conversation. And what happens from what I've seen is that once you start realizing they're just words and the words are actually not lifting you up, they're not in your best interest. They're not healthy for you. This attorney that you've created in your mind has done a great job rewriting the story. The story then no longer plays and no longer holds you back. And then you're able to move forward and you will constantly have another story. So that we all have, humans have all sorts of crazy blocks that we put, you know, like whether are we, do we deserve to be loved? Do we deserve to have the wealth that we want? Do we deserve to have the car that we want to get? All those ridiculous things there are always these conversations that tell us that we don't deserve it, that we're not worthy, that we shouldn't be loved. All that stuff is just, you have to, again, going back to what you said, hiring that attorney to fight off those stories, rewrite it. And then that becomes your true story. That becomes your truth. I mean, we tell ourselves stories that we saw through like a lens of a child, I think a lot of the times. And so as a grown up, it's still kind of there. And we don't always know where it came from. We just know that it's there. Right. Like I was reading a book and it was talking about money blockers. And it was like, think back into when you were a child. Did your parents fight about money? For me, for example, like my dad refused to pay child support. So what did that say? That said I wasn't worth anything, you know, right. as a child, it's that big. But as you grow into an adult, it's like buried underneath. And we don't realize that we're still like reliving these negative stories and negative things that have been told to us or that we have perceived, you know, as a child, if right. you know, grown up and we know that that's not true, but our brain is like, nope. <laughs> and they're all levels of healing. Right. So as you become an adult and you recognize that does not define you, that does not define your worth, you close that chapter and then the next day you're like, oh, wait, there's another story of childhood, you know, or adulthood, you know, someone broke up with you or someone said something mean to you or, you know, like it's all the time. So I, I just want to share that with listeners that 
even if you find a trigger or if you find that story, there may be more. And that's part of the process of healing is that you just have all these limits that your body has put in place to prevent you from feeling any more hurt. So the condition, like my story was, I'm not worthy to be loved because my mother didn't love me the way that mothers should love their children. So I had this whole crazy love story in my mind that I didn't deserve to be loved because if my mother could love me, then why would anybody else, right? It's like, I played that, I fixed it. If you fixed yours and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, there's like another story and you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it just never ends, but that's part of it. And everyone has it, by the way, everyone. I don't care if they live a perfect life in quotations, but everyone has all these stories. Self-awareness. I mean, that's some major, major self-awareness to be able to identify it rather than continue to live it or let it rule you, I guess. Yep. It's a lot easier to just not touch any of that and just live life angry and upset and frustrated with the world. It's a lot easier because everyone else is at blame, but you, you know, like that's what you were given. You were given those stories and this is where you are because of that. I think it's difficult to give yourself the opportunity to think differently, right? Change your, your mindset or your ways. You know, if you're used to doing things one way, it's hard to change it and to start doing it a completely different way. And you're not going to know if you've really changed until you have the opportunity again. Until it right. Comes right. Exactly. And then you're like, Oh gosh, that conversation went different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm more resilient now. You know, my skin's a little bit thicker. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. So you are as uh, <laughs> the mayor of Fem city. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I am the mayor of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Femme City for me, it was like, I really think it was like the first real like women's organization that I became a part of and didn't feel like it was like complete bullshit. You know, right, like it right. felt real. You were a breath of fresh air. You know, I think there's some women who ride this like women empowerment wave, but really they're kind of like, they want to be seen as like, you know, the queen. Yes. <laughs> and it's an egomaniacal sort of thing rather than, <laughs> you know, like I really just want to help women. And you were that person, you know, for me. And I saw that in you. And I also, like, you kind of reframed my idea of, like, mentorship coming along in business and being a young woman. And I just never saw, like, a woman that I wanted to be like. And so I would always be like, I never had a mentor. I never had a mentor. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it was like, oh, it's so hard. And men will help me. But, you know, I never had that woman it was almost like I was expecting a woman to take me by the hand and like, tell me everything. Right. And I think Femme City kind of reframed my mind to find mentorship in peers. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Women who, you know, they may be way beyond me in one area and then I might be way beyond them in another and we kind of can help each other. So was that something that you had kind of in mind when you created City in the beginning, or is that something you see happening? Yeah, so my guide to mentorship was probably very similar to yours. So when I started Fem City, it was really just to gather with women. And I find that each woman that I met brought something new to my life, whether it was a social media tip or they're doing something that inspired me to go another way or I just always learned something from the women that I was meeting, but I didn't have a mentor, much like you were saying, like I didn't have a mentor. And it wasn't until I got to a certain level in my business that I started talking to women that have actually achieved more. And that to me was huge because I was never in that circle. You know, I didn't go to Ivy League schools. I didn't come from money. I wasn't in that circle at Silicon Valley. I just wasn't 
there. And so how do you meet those kind of women? And so my first mentor was Joan Barnes, the founder of Jamboree. I met her. I was on a panel here in Miami and we just connected. I just fell in love with her. I was like, man, she's amazing. And I remember Jamboree because my son would go to the classes there. So her brand even was just really personal to me as well. And her guidance, just her little bit of like, we had lunch together and then we stayed in touch and we had a couple of phone calls and she would text me sometimes like the most beautiful texts, like to keep on going. And she was the first one that really up leveled my thinking because I didn't know anybody who had done what I wanted to do. Right. And then because of that, then I met another mentor at a birthday party. She's the founder or the co-founder of Lucini Olive Oil, Renee Frigo. And she just blew my mind. She had already created this brand that was all over the world. You know, it was at Costco and Whole Foods and Sam's Club. And she also was someone who not only is a dear friend, but also like she's someone who would give me advice. Not all the time, but if I needed something, I could text her and she would definitely respond. And it was always in my benefit. So... I understand what you're saying. And I think it's because Crystal, there aren't enough women that have achieved what some of us want to achieve. And so it's like, there are more opportunities for us to get mentorship through men because there's so many more at that playing field. But I think as women, like the more that up level, the more that I know personally, I want to help more women get to where I am. Like, I think it's great. I love seeing your success as an example. Like I love it. I may not verbalize it all the time. I try to love everything that you post, but, <laughs> but you know, like if, if yeah. more get to the top, then there are more that can see that it can be done. Right. And because you can tell me all day long, but the reality is if you were born as a billionaire, your story doesn't apply to me. If you went to an Ivy league school and your dad funded, your story doesn't apply to me. Tell me the story of someone who created a business that right. is around the world that scraped every penny, you know, lived on food stamps and had to really sacrifice to get to that. Then you've got someone who can inspire me as a mentor. But other than that, like your, my story doesn't apply. It doesn't fit. So but I hear you. I was the same way. I love it. The first time I met you, I was just like, ah, oh, I love her. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, yes. You're very kind. Thank you for all those kind words. I was trying not to cry. So thank no, you. You're, I mean, you've helped me out a ton. So I definitely appreciate you. So I like to end on a quote. So give me, whether it be like, you're just like, this is my quote of my life, or if there's anything that's been speaking to you lately, share that with us. Yeah. One of my favorite things to say is to myself is why not me? If I see all these other people that have done great things and created big movements, like why not me? And I truly believe that all of us have the gift to really be of service and of purpose to others. And why would one person be gifted all this and not somebody else. So when I hesitate thinking, Oh my gosh, you know, I always think, why wouldn't it be me? Why can't it be me? And I think that could be said by anybody. Awesome. That is great. Good note to end on. Thank <laughs> Thanks so much for making the time. I know you're super busy cause you're amazing, <laughs> but I really Thank appreciate you. you coming here and sharing your infinite wisdom with us. Oh, we care. We covered so much. I'm I know. Like, wow. That's amazing. Like all that, like, wow, it was great. Thank you so much, Crystal. What an amazing podcast. Thank you. Where can they find you? Tell everyone where they can find you. Oh, well you can, for my personal, you can follow me um, everywhere. The same handle at Violet Day Ayala. And uh, for Femme City, you can do at Femme City. It's we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram and myself personally as well. So, and I try to respond to pretty much every message I get, unless you're crazy. If you're like sending me threatening <laughs> things, I'm not going to respond to threatening things. <laughs> so, but everything else, if it's happy and positive, I'm there. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, Crystal. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Rebel Babe Kate. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and we'd love it if you left a review. See you next week.